Praise the Lord, everybody. No. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. When we say praise the Lord, that is not a, a greeting. It is a command to give him honor and to give him praise and glory. For he deserves all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. We're glad, so glad that each of you are out this morning. And I know that uh, Apostle Kemp has a, a tremendous word for us this morning concerning, you know, miracles, giftings, and however God leads him, I want him to just give us what God gives him. Amen. And so let's stand. We're going to pray and then we're going to go ahead and just turn the service over to him because I know that he has a lot in his belly to share and to give. Um, just greet somebody next to you and just welcome them and um, love on them and just tell them that God is good. God is great. and He's an awesome, 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 awesome God. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to um, we're going to pray. So I would just want you to bow your heads and we're just going to give a word of prayer. Father, we just acknowledge you today. You're good. You're kind. You're wonderful. You've been so good to each and every one of us. We just honor your presence that is always abiding. We thank you, Father, for truth. We thank you for light. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for knowledge and understanding. And Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts to be a receiver of your word today. And not only a receiver of your word, but also a doer of it. That Lord, that you will get the glory and get the praise out of our lives. To you belong all glory and all praise. And Father, we thank you right now for the man of God that you have given us in this season, in this time. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody give him a mighty hand of praise. Amen. Amen. I'm already feeling some glory going. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So while you're standing, we're going to present to you um, this um, awesome man of God. God is used throughout the country in the world in such a miraculous way. And so we, and we thank God for the gifting that is in his life. And we thank God for him. None other than the person of Apostle Tony Kemp. Amen. Just here. I want to get closer to you. Yeah. yeah, let's do it real close. Like right up here close. That's good. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. All right. Everyone say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, I wouldn't start recording yet, okay? Um, yeah, please be seated. Be seated. Um, I, I like it when we're able to do something really, really informally. It's fun. And so uh, let me make sure I've muted my phone because I may not have. Okay, it's muted. Okay. So, can we talk? Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you could have your way in this morning session, what would you like for me to talk about? Raise your hand. 
never saw it coming. Yes, sir. Obtaining our, our full reward. Obtaining your full reward in heaven. And learning to not live. What are the signs of living a lukewarm Christian life? Okay. So I need somebody to, um, to take notes for me. Yeah. Um, how to get your full reward in heaven and signs of lukewarmness. I thought I saw another hand. Yes. Learning to operate in the kingdom of God uh -huh. while you're in this world. Okay, learning how to operate in the kingdom of God while you're here on earth. Okay, all right. Um, who else? Yes, ma'am. Entering in the Holy of Holies. All right. Who else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. How to how how to um, how to resist the daily attacks of the enemy? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yes, ma'am. Operating in the supernatural. This is going to be fun, I can tell right now. I'll, I'll, I'll cue you when to start. Okay. Um, she's a southpaw. Um, so, like, um, let's go for a couple of more. Anyone? Yes, sir. I'll be here, Holy Spirit. Okay, hearing God more clearly. I th yes. Okay, the gifts of the Spirit. One more. Yes, sir. To stand in the presence of the Lord, to serve Him, and to bless in His name. Okay, how to stand in the presence of the Lord. Okay, can I have that piece of paper? I'll cue you when it's time to start. She actually writes so you can read it. <laughs> I take it you're not a doctor. I'm a nurse. <laughs> That's why you can read it. <laughs> uh, nothing against doctors, but you know, there might be some intelligence about writing notes so they can't really be read by anyone except you. Because if you go to court, you can say, no, it's not this, it's, it's that. And uh, all right. Um, you can start now. Um, before you start, aren't you the guy that was in the military? For like many years, like how many years? Praise the Lord for him. Amen. 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 Okay, let's get started. I'm ready now, brother. All right. First of all, I want to give reverence to the Father, to Son Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. I want to give honor to uh, uh, Pastor Hudson and
and his precious wife, uh, Bernadine. Let's give them a big hand clap, shall we? And um, <clears throat> I think my wife and Bernadine, Bernadine, Bernadette, I think they had plans to go to breakfast. And then I think my wife wanted to go to the health food store. And then at some point they would arrive here. Look at somebody and say, let your mate do whatever they want to do. And so they're going to have fun with each other. All right, so um, I want to do this like really, really informally, if we can. Which means um, you have permission to like interrupt me. But if you interrupt me, somebody has to remind me where I, where I was. So who will, um, who will be my uh, friendly reminder? Man, everybody, everybody's called, uh, you're like the designated memory for the group. Okay, um, okay, let's, um, let's start with what she has written is number seven, which is how to uh, hear God. I think somebody said to hear the Holy Spirit. So turn to the book of Hebrews, if you don't mind. And uh, chapter five. I'll, I'll just do verse 14. And um, what am I reading from? I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Everybody say version. Okay. Uh, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose uh, faculties, spiritual faculties or spiritual senses, have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay. Everybody say spiritual senses. Okay. Um, I think it is interesting to note that um, the Hebrew writer here, whoever you believe him to be, whether you believe him to be uh, the Apostle Paul or um, Apollos or Barnabas, or whoever uh, you believe him to be, uh, makes a reference to uh, spiritual faculties or spiritual senses. Um, I think it's important that we uh, consider this for a moment. So I want you to turn to uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Yes, we can start with verse 10. 
And uh, when Jesus was alone, uh, those who were around him along with the 12 asked him about the parables. And Jesus says to them, um, his 12 disciples, to you it has been given uh, to know the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those outside, everything comes in a parable. In order that they may look but not perceive, listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. Okay. So in other words, Jesus was saying they have physical eyes um, that physically see, but their spiritual eyes are closed. So that tells you that you have spiritual eyes. Now, you know, I have to start with what everybody probably knows. Okay. They have physical ears that hear, and uh, that's interesting. And, uh, but they have spiritual ears that do not hear. And so allow me to say this, your human spirit is um, like your physical body in this sense. You have spiritual eyes, you have spiritual ears, you have a spiritual nose, spiritual sense of taste, and spiritual touch. Now, to show you this, um, you know, we've just demonstrated spiritual seeing and hearing, but um, turn to First Peter. Can I take my time? Yeah. Okay, very good, because um, I'm moving slowly on purpose. I'll pick up the pace in a little while, but I'm not in a hurry. First Peter 2. says, uh, in chapter 2, verse 2 says, like newborn infants or newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk, that's the word of God, so that you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted, everybody say spiritual sense of taste, that the Lord is good. And of course you know the scripture where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay? So uh, in addition... Uh, to uh, having a spiritual ability to see and a spiritual ability to hear, you have, everybody say, spiritual taste buds. Spiritual taste buds. Now, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to read this to you in uh, um, I'll read it to you in English, and then I'll give it to you in Hebrew. I'll start with uh, oh, chapter 11, verse verse one, just because. Doctor Ryan, yeah. prophet. Um, I'm doing this super informally. I told people that they can interrupt me. Um, the subjects that the people picked are how to get your full reward in heaven, signs of being lukewarm, how to operate in the KOG, the kingdom of God. Okay, this is the nurse coming out <laughs> while on earth. And uh, she was moving fast just to get it down because I don't think she anticipated anybody else was going to have to translate but me. Entering the Holy of Holies, 
resisting daily attacks of the enemy, operating in the supernatural, hearing God more clearly. I think he specifically said the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and how to stand in the presence of the Lord. So um, uh, part of my fun will be to tie all of this together. Spontaneously on the spot. <laughs> and uh, so we're in Hebrews chapter 11. We talked about uh, Hebrews 5.14, which is um, having your spiritual senses exercised to discern. We talked about spiritual seeing, hearing. Now we are moving along. Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And we know this is referring to Jesus. And then it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon Jesus. Now, this is good because now we're talking about, everybody say the anointing. Because Jesus was the Hamashiach, the Messiah, the anointed one. But also we're talking about the manifest presence. Everybody say the kavod. And... Uh, and look at somebody and say, this is where it all begins. And then you have, and just notice this. It says, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And notice these, these are together. Okay? Um, wisdom, okay, by the way, in the Hebrew, the word here, wisdom, actually means creativity. Okay. Wisdom by definition is knowing what works. Okay. Isn't it interesting that when you get under the anointing, you get in the manifest presence. And by the way, the presence of the Lord in the Hebrew, you're really looking at, everybody say panim. Everybody say face to face with God. Okay, so it implies intimacy with God. And so, uh, that's interesting. Um, I'll wait on that, Lord. So, um, so, when you get under the anointing and you get under the manifest presence of God or you're around the manifest presence of God or you're face-to-face -face with God, it causes you to find out what, in the mind of God, what works and creativity. Then it says here the spirit of understanding. Spirit of understanding is knowing why what works actually works. It's the ability to connect dots and put things together. Now you have to be able to spiritually see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, having your spiritual senses exercised in order to do this. And it's the anointing and the presence of God that activates your spiritual senses, right? Yes. Right? Yes. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless you're born again, you cannot what? Enter the kingdom of God, right? Right? And so, so then the spirit of counsel, this has to do with knowing the mind of God, the will of God, um, the desires of God, the emotions of God. Spirit of might, everybody say that's the power of God. Spirit of knowledge is the ability to see things through God's eyes. Hear what he hears, feel what he feels, know what he knows. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, everybody say character of God. So his delight, Jesus' delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his physical eyes see 
or decide by what his physical ears hear, okay? But with righteousness, he shall judge. Everybody say, he judges. This is interesting. This phrase, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord and all of that. In the Hebrew, it means that Jesus was quick-scented. Hello. Now, in our culture, when you women go into the refrigerator to check out some milk, you do what? Smell it. Right? To see if it's, the milk is what? Good or what? So, smelling, even in our culture, is discernment. I mean, we say stuff like this. Something smells rotten in Denmark. I don't know why we picked Denmark. <laughs> or something smells what? Fishy. Right? So smelling is for discernment. Okay? And I'm just going to touch this. You can actually have discerning of spirits by discernment the nose. Uh, that's a whole other story. If somebody reminds me, I shall return. Then the scripture says this. This is very interesting in the book of Hebrews. It says, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities there is not as weaknesses. So let's reverse it. You have a high priest, Jesus, who can be, everybody say, touched with the feeling of your weaknesses. So a good picture of this would be, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house because the daughter is sick and has died. And a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years touches Jesus, and all these people are crowding Jesus, pressing up against Jesus. And Jesus said, who touched me? And, of course, one of the disciples said, all these people are physically pressing up against you. You would say, who touched you? Jesus said, someone touched me. Because he said, I perceive that virtue or dunamis or power went out. So Jesus felt, everybody say he felt. Jesus felt the power when it departed out of his spirit, through his soul, out of his body. And she felt the power when it was going in and it made her well. Does that make sense to you? Everybody say so, a sense of feeling. So you have spiritual senses. Everybody say seeing, hearing. Everybody say, smell, touch, taste. So you have to develop your spiritual senses. Having your spiritual senses what? Exercised. Now, every one of us have had these moments where the Lord spoke to us in daily life. And our practice usually is in simple things. For example, how many of you left the house, had a feeling you didn't lock the door? Raise your hands, raise your hands. Went back and the door was unlocked. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Okay? So, how many of you have ever had the experience of minding your, okay, this is gonna sound funny. You've ever had the experience of minding your own business and your mind is on whatever you're doing and all of a sudden, somebody's name comes to your mind, and then they either send you a text, an email, or phone you up. Raise your hands. Everybody say, that's the Holy Spirit. But because it's not as a voice, Judy is going to call you. 
Sometimes it's not identified as the Holy Spirit because it can, everybody say, just be a feeling or a knowing or a sense. Okay? So all of that is legitimate in terms of receiving revelation from God. So everybody stay with me. Okay, now, I know I'm going to be extremely basic. The reason I have to start, okay, here's the deal with regards to the supernatural. God, by definition, is a supernatural being. You had a supernatural birth. You were born from above. Right? Okay. There are people who are trying to operate, quote, in the supernatural, the spirit of the Lord, without having built a proper foundation. Okay. If a person moves into the supernatural, even the supernatural of Jesus, without a proper foundation, they're going to go off course. So, you know, on TonyKemp.com, I have a video section where I sit in the chair. Nothing fancy, because I don't need to be fancy. I mean, I can do it, but pfft. And I have a thing called Supernatural Foundations, which is based upon Hebrew 6. It's free. Everybody say, it's free. And I teach basic Bible doctrines. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. We have now a generation who does not want to take the time to learn what's called the doctrine of Christ, or in the Greek, where Christ begins. So we want people who, who want, quote, the deeper things of the Spirit without having a foundation. How can you have the deeper things of the Spirit without a foundation? You cannot. Because the foundation that you create determines the height of the edifice you put on it. So if you just have a, uh, a one-story foundation, you're going to have a one-story edifice. And so what, what we fail to do sometimes, and I'm talking about the body of Jesus in the West, is sometimes we don't want, we don't want to take the time to build the foundation in our hearts and lives. Because I know that. Okay. Now, then we have to come to what is knowledge. Okay. Now, So much of what we do here in the United States is based upon Greek culture. To say that means this. We believe we know something because we can parrot it. Okay, let me say it another way. Please don't take this the wrong way. I don't mean it. It can be misconstrued and misunderstood. You will go to college. You'll take a course on business administration from a professor who's never been an entrepreneur, never owned a business, never operated a business, and never managed a business. And he's an expert on business. <laughs> Academically. But see, you gotta remember, the Hebrew way, okay, is you don't know anything until you can do it. Amen. So you watch Seinfeld, and he goes, yada, everybody say yada, 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 which means you know by experience. Yeah. 
So the way of God is that you don't know something unless you know it by what? Experience. Not just because you can parrot it. Okay? Okay. Now, to prove this, turn to uh, Book of Acts, Chapter 1. Because you have to ask yourself then, what is knowledge? And so, Book of Acts, Chapter 1, in the first book, O Theophilus means God lover. I wrote about, and he's referring to the Gospel of Luke, because Luke was the writer of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven. Wait a minute. He wrote about what Jesus, everybody said, did and taught. Everybody say, did. And taught. Okay, go to Matthew's gospel. Everybody say do and teach. So you go to Matthew's gospel and you go to chapter 5. And I'll start with verse 17 so you can get the thought. Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law, and in the, in the Hebrew, law means the instruction, the teaching. Or the prophets, I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass, not one letter nor one stroke of the letter will pass from the instruction till all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks or does not do one of these least commandments and then teaches others not to do, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But notice what it says. Whoever will do the commandments and do what? Teach. Shall be called what? Great. So in the Hebrew, the only things you know are the things you are actually doing. To be able to parrot it, to be able to repeat it, to be able to say it is not biblical knowledge. Now, why is this important in the context of the United States church? And I'll explain. Turn to the book of James. Okay? Because, see, notice my brother said, will you teach on hearing the Holy Spirit? Okay? Now, in English, you have the word hear, and you have the word do or to obey. But in the Hebrew, which is, by the way, a verb language, 22 letters, there is not a separate word for hear and obey. If you obey, you heard. If you hear, you obey. If you obey, you hear. If you don't obey, look at somebody say, you didn't hear. So he says, teach on hearing the Holy Spirit. Look at somebody say, so if you don't do what the Holy Spirit says, you're not really hearing. Now, Now, 
the Holy Spirit takes the time to really make this clear to us, and let me show you how he does it, and he does it in the Greek, okay? James chapter one, this is what it says, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Comparison contrast. And we learn by comparison contrast. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law instruction and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Now this is English, okay. But let me give you the context of what James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the apostles, because there are about 24 different individuals that were called apostles. Let me give you the context and the word picture in the original language. The original language here, the picture is this. You have a professor teaching a subject. You have students. And what they're in effect doing from the Hebrew text is they're giving, they're auditing the teacher. They're giving the teacher a grade. Ooh, that was really good, it's A. Well, that was pretty good, you gotta be. Yeah, see, I've been knowing that for 10 years, you got a D. Don't like your style and presentation. I fail you, teacher. And then the Greek picture is this. They go out and the students discuss the audit, but they never get around to doing what was taught. This happens every Sunday. Every Sunday. Where people audit the preacher. No, 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 I'm, this is our culture. So, the preachers, we have to come up with new and varied and different teachings to get people's attention to get a hearing. Yeah. So then, without realizing it, we are ever learning, but never come to know, everybody say, do the truth. That's what's going on here. So we suffer from spiritual boredom because the person who's hearing but not doing is spiritually bored. So now we have to become seeker friendly. So I'm gonna leave you alone now. Because I can only hold your attention for one hour. Just saying. Here's what's crazy. When it says be a doer of the word, do you want to know what the implication is? Yeah. It's poetes. The, this Greek word poetes is uh, where we get the word poetry. Everybody say creativity. Everybody say having a flair. That means when I'm reading the word, hearing the word preached or taught, I am supposed to be thinking of creative ways of how to put that word into practice in my private life. 
And so until I obey, I have never heard. Wow. So now I only know what I'm doing. Now look at somebody smile and say, how much do you really know now? And see, Jesus, okay, <laughs> this is funny. And see, we, we know this, we know this in our culture. This, this is how we know it. We say stuff like this, those who can't do. <laughs> we, we know it. We know it. And we're, we're, we're out there about it. The reason now, this is not always true, right? right? Okay. Look at somebody say, this is not always true. But a lot of times it's true. Look at somebody say, it's not always true. But a lot of times it's true. Okay. So, uh, you know, and so there are times, though, when you'll have, for example, like a, um, an attorney like Alan Dershowitz, who will become a professor. And there's a weight to what he says because you know his history of doing. Whether you agree with him or not. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's just a difference. Okay. So Jesus, okay. Okay. Operating in the supernatural. Everybody say operating in the supernatural. Okay. A deaf person, person totally deaf, they talk with their hands. Everybody say sign language. sign language. Everybody say, so what they're doing is what they're saying. Everybody say miracles are the sign language of God. In that what he is doing is actually what he's saying. So what Jesus would do is he would take a man who was totally blind. He would give him the ability to see. And then he would go, I'm the light of the world. Everybody say the sign language of God. Everybody say what he's doing is what he's teaching. Everybody say Jesus would do and he would teach. Jesus would take 5,000 men plus women and children or 4,000 men plus women and children and then do, everybody say, uh, multiply the bread. And then he'd turn around and go, I'm the bread of life. Everybody say miracles are the sign language of God in that what he's doing is what he's saying. And so when you're looking at Jesus, he would do and teach or he would teach and do. Um, I know this is going to sound a little hard, but I will try not to have a crash landing. Look at somebody say, he wants to have a soft landing. It's easy to preach and teach today because after you get done, nothing really has to happen. Mm -hmm. 
Just saying. Okay. Now, okay. Okay. Now, now, everybody say soft landing. Okay. So when you're looking at knowledge, everybody say knowledge. Everybody say information for your head. Look at somebody and smile and say, I know your head needs some help. Everybody say, the revelation of the word for your spirit. Okay. Everybody say, take the information that gets in your head and the revelation of the word that gets in your spirit and put application to it. Now watch this. Everybody go in formation. So now... Galatians 4.19 says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again till Christ be formed. Everybody say in formation. So it starts with information, but it must become a revelation that I put application to for Christ to be formed. Everybody say what we need is more application. Now, what does application lead to? Everybody say transformation. transformation. Right? Romans 12. Because the Lord's been so good to you. Do not be conformed to this world. Greek, do not allow the world. Notice what it says. Do not allow the world to force you into its fashion plate. How does the world, the spirit of this age, force you into its fashion plate? by trying to influence and control your thinking about what is significant and what is important and how you should view the world on which you live as opposed to kingdom of God thinking. So when I'm a minister of the gospel, whether license ordained or just a believer sharing the word, I am conscious of what part of you I'm preaching to. I can preach to your human spirit. I can preach to your mind what you think and what you feel, or how you think and how you feel. Or I can actually preach to your body. Okay, so that's a whole nother subject. Now, um, uh, you have to bring me back to it. I wanna stay on this. Uh, yeah, I stay on this. Okay, so um, my mind, my carnal mind or my natural mind can become the lid on my spirit. Look at somebody say, your natural mind or your carnal mind, your old way of thinking, can put a lid on your human spirit's possibilities in Jesus. This is why I do not allow the world to force you into its fashion plate, but be metamorphosized, transformed by the, everybody say, the renewing of your mind. Now, okay, let me touch this. I'm not going to go into it. 
But if you, if somebody says to me, what do you do for a living? I say, I think for a living. That's what I really do. So you have what's called an unreflective thinker. You have a beginning thinker. You have a skilled thinker. You have, for example, you can have what's called a strategic thinker. You can have a practicing thinker. And this is what will surprise you. The world even has another kind of thinker called the ideal thinker, which they recognize as something that's above and beyond what is normal. Everybody say the ideal thinker is Jesus. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so look at somebody say, he's really trying to teach you how to think. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that you may singular in the Greek, prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Because in the Greek it's actually singular. I know what you heard, but in the Greek it's singular. Everybody say, it's progression. I know the, you know, because we, and it's okay, as long as we get to completion. Everybody says, as long as you get to completion, it's all right. So I have to pause to give you a minute to, to think. So if you're a minister of the gospel, when you, okay, first of all, let's be technical. Let's be theological for a moment, okay? Everybody say, just for a minute. Okay. You really, biblically speaking, you only preach to sinners. Now, because I'm African-American, we preach to the saints because that's our culture. If you're a person of color, Mexican, Argentinian, Colombian, look at somebody and say, you're going to be preaching. Because people of color, okay, first of all, you ain't going to take me seriously till I yell at you. <laughs> oh, he really means it. Passion. Yeah. Right? Right? If you're, if, you're, if you're white, you're sound sensitive. You don't need to yell at me. Just talk to me. Look at somebody said, just talk to me. <laughs> so you got the African-American preacher He's running around, he's hacking. <laughs> he's getting in the rhythm. If you teach for white folks, you stand on two bricks. And you talk to people. Now, when you're over 60, you know, what's funny, and I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way because I, I, I hold Mark Sharon in high esteem. How many of you were at the service last night? Anybody was in the service last night? Okay. This is what's funny. His mouth made a commitment that his body wasn't going to be able to keep. Exactly. Right. Because the, the folk wanted him to preach. He could feel it. They want me to preach. And he would, he would preach for about 30 seconds. And then his body said, you better cut that down. <laughs> and he, he went back to talking. He switched it back, didn't he? And every now and then he, and then he said, I'm a preacher in a minute. He kept, he kept saying that. Then he had the conclusion toward the end. He said, well, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> his, body, his body said, oh, you ain't doing that tonight, buddy. 
because he, he, he read the room and he could see, who these folk love preaching. You know what I mean? And so they'll put up with you saying something for a while, but at, at the end, mm. <laughs> see, so I realize that there's doors that are closed to me because I refuse to go. Mm. <laughs> so I'll let the guy go mm, do them doors. I'm just a white man in a black body. That's all I am. Okay. I ain't doing all that. Plus, I got rhythm problems and issues anyway. I don't know what happened to that gene. <laughs> I clap like white folk. I don't even clap like black people. Look at somebody say, it's a different world. And you know, if you understood my, my uh, genetic history, you, you, you'd get it. You know what I mean? Because my last name's Kemp, and you know, I got a whole lot of European in me. Obviously, it's a, it's a European name. So, okay, had a little fun there, couldn't help it. I was entertaining myself and sometimes my inner child just comes right on out in my message and I just don't control him. <laughs> I just let him come out because y'all ain't entertaining me enough so I just have to take care of it myself. <laughs> it's okay, don't apologize, it's part of the fun, just to entertain myself. <laughs> and it's okay for us to have these cultural differences. Look at somebody said, whatever works. Okay? So, uh, what time did I start teaching? Well, no, 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 because um, pretty soon you're, you're, you're behind and be speaking to me and say, please get a word of knowledge. Let me up. Let me up. Look at somebody say, the mind can only receive as much as the behind can endure. So we at the 41 minute mark. So in the next 10 minutes, your behind needs a break. Remember we said we'd do this informally? For those of you coming in, we're doing this informally. So here's my point. When you're a minister, you teach the saints biblically, scripturally. Before you begin, you have your end in mind. Look at somebody say, before you begin, you have your end in mind. So in other words, before you begin teaching, you have what is your destination? What is the point of this? From the standpoint of a minister, hearing the Holy Spirit operating in the supernatural, is what is God's purpose for this service? Or if you're ministering individually, what's God's purpose for this individual? Right? Look at somebody say, what's the end result? Okay. So when you're doing public speaking, generally speaking, about public speaking, you speak either to entertain, to inform, or to persuade. And those who are really, really skillful, depending upon what the subject matter is, may do all three. Now, questions, please raise your hand and please ask a question that I can answer so I look good. 
And if I don't know, I'll just simply tell you, I don't know this morning. I need some more Pepsi. That's my morning coffee. Any questions? Seriously. This is your class. This is, this is your class. Make sure you get what you came for. How do you? Some of us prepare messages for different groups. Yes. Is it just a matter of getting in the presence of God? Um, okay. Um, I received Jesus in 72, started preaching in 74. So, you know, I've been doing this a long time. When Bernadette asked me, she says, what you going to do tomorrow? I said, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, my son's in full-time ministry. He's... Um, Big church in Dallas, like the like 4,500, and he's like over missions and community stuff. And so um, he got saved when he was two. Um, he got filled with the Holy Spirit when he was four. He had his first angelic visitation when he was eight. He went to heaven when he was 12. And so ever since he graduated from Bible college, uh, business administration and missions, he's been in full-time ministry. And so I had this conversation with him. Because when you first start walking with Jesus, you study the word for yourself to feed your spirit and to develop the mind of Christ within you and to walk in the spirit and to love the Lord and to love people. Everybody say you study for yourself. So Paul gives an instruction, give, your, give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. And then Jesus says in John's gospel, search the scriptures, which means to be a topical comparative studies. And then Paul says, study to show yourself approved to God. So what happens is you get called into the ministry, and at first you study for yourself. But over time, you study less and less for yourself, and you study to, to preach or teach to others. And while your ministry is expanding, your spirit's getting weaker, but you don't know it. So when you're with reference now, having said that, everybody say achieving balance. Achieving balance. So um, I did not study for you. I can do this in my sleep. I can do this in my sleep. I don't even have to. What I do is I prepare myself in the presence of the Lord. I can do this in my sleep. I can stand, I can stand right here, because I've done this, see words in the air and preach what I see in the air. Just literally read it. I can do it. I have a grace to do it. So, you know, it's kind of a seer thing. And I may be doing that and not even tell you. Right. And it'll be supernatural, and you won't even know that it's supernatural. See, because I do crazy stuff like, you see, I got three notebooks, ain't cracked open, not a one. I got them there because I got all this stuff, but I can't hold it in my head. I got stuff in my phone, but I can't hold all this in my head. And... Uh, <laughs> Don't even feel bad, man. Talk about the phone and the phone. Yeah, you know, I'm saying. Yeah, listen, man, sometimes my phone gets drunk. <laughs> Look at somebody say, You ever had an intoxicated phone? I sent somebody a message and they said that same message hit about six times. I said, My phone was drunk. What can I say? <laughs> my phone needs recovery sometimes. So you can teach out of what you studied and prepared. And, you know, you can do it the way you're supposed to do it. You know, intro, body, points, one through three, fourth, conclusion, summary. 
and that's okay to do that. Um, you can study, you can prepare and preach out of uh, what the Lord has taught you, out of your experience. Out of personal revelation, personal experience, you'll walk with Jesus. Um, you can teach out of, um, sometimes I do this, is I just come cold turkey, and I have like discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, and I'll start seeing stuff, knowing stuff about people, and I'll start talking about it, teaching it, and I'll sometimes go, well, how many of y'all are able to relate that? Hands go up everywhere. And so it's, you, so you can teach out of revelation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, because it's what God is saying. Word of knowledge is revelation about person, place, or thing as it relates to past or present. Word of wisdom is what not to do or what to do in the future. Um, prophecy is what God is saying, or it's the predictive element. All personal prophecy is conditional upon your faith, receptivity, your obedience, your patience. That's the revelation of the will of God, potential. This is why some prophecies fail. Right. And um, in terms of public speaking, you can have the cloud of the manifest presence come, and you can discern what's in the cloud, and what you, what's in the cloud is what, the revelation you speak is what reigns. R-A-I-N-S. Okay. So, next question. Yes, sir. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, um, probably one of the best ways is to teach on the subject of prophecy and to understand prophetic language. For example, give you an example of prophetic language. Um, Saul sins, King Saul sins, for the last time in God's eyes, um, in terms of Saul's ability to keep his office. And the prophet Samuel comes to him, and this is what he says. He says, today, God has taken your kingdom away from you and given it to a man better than you. Everybody says, today. Yeah. And then God speaks to Samuel, he anoints David. But David doesn't assume the kingship after Saul dies, and it's 15 years later. Look at somebody say, today, in a prophecy, could be 15 years later. Which speaks to how in the kingdom of God today is spoken, but it may take 15 years to work it out. And that sometimes when you're given a prophetic word, <laughs> like I said, I said that word going to test you. Because you'll get a word about you're going to prosper, and after that, everybody say your finances. Look at somebody say, your finances abandon you. Look at somebody saying, there's no GPS to find them either. They, look at somebody say, they go off the grid. And so sometimes we have to teach people, everybody say, the process. So now, okay. Does that answer your question a little? Okay. So, um, That's funny. 
Okay, let me see. Yeah, you need to stand to your feet. Go ahead and stand up. And let's, uh, are you guys enjoying class? Yes. Okay. Don't worry. We're, look at somebody. I said, we're going to really get into some stuff after a while. I, um, Patricia King told me to quit saying that I was not a morning person. That's what she told me. Um, that hasn't stopped me from saying it, though. Even though she's a dear friend of mine, because um, I'm still not a morning person. <laughs> but that don't stop me from being able to preach in the morning. Because look at somebody say, he can do this in his sleep. I don't wake up till noon. And it don't matter what time zone I'm in. <laughs> so I'll be awake in about 39 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, Pastor Keith is going to come, and we should take, uh, oh, 10 minutes to stand in the presence of the Lord. And uh, let me talk a little bit about presence while you're standing. Okay. Most people in the charismatic movement. Everybody say Pentecost, full gospel. Most people, when they're thinking about the presence of the Lord, they're thinking about the presence. I'm talking about, everybody say private life, personal life. They're looking for the presence to come upon them. Okay. Look at somebody say, that's a mistake. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is this. Okay. How many of you have ever noticed, and I'm speaking this to the women particularly, that as soon as you go to really stand in the presence of the Lord to pray, praise or worship the Father, everything that you need to do comes to you. Now, you've been knowing all the time that you need to do this, but it don't. The list don't hit you till you go to do your praise. Why don't you open it for me, darling? So, thank you very much, very kindly. That's all I need. The list doesn't hit you until you go to stand in the presence of the Lord. Okay, why does that happen? Look at somebody say, you need to be mentally present to experience the presence of the Lord. And so one of the things that the enemy will do to keep you from the recognition or the awareness or the consciousness of the presence of the Lord when you go to pray, praise or worship God, everybody say distraction. Everybody say you need to be present to experience the presence of the Lord. Everybody say the distracted mind. So for you women, just start out with, everybody say, pen, paper, and go ahead and write out the list. Just write it out. And then at a certain point, make a decision and put it away. Because look at somebody say, this is part of the daily attack. Okay, presence of the Lord. The distracted mind cannot perceive the presence of the Lord.
The disturbed mind cannot perceive the presence of the Lord. The anxious mind cannot perceive the presence of the Lord. The worried mind cannot discern the presence of the Lord. Scattered, scattered, worried, anxious, disturbed. Scattered, worried, anxious, disturbed. The key point is, look at somebody say, you gotta be present. Your mind's gotta be present to experience the presence of the Lord. Okay. Now, when I'm by myself, I am not looking for the presence of God to come upon me. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to be present with the Lord to feel his presence in my spirit. Look at somebody say, look to feel the presence. Look to sense the presence. Look to know the presence in your spirit. Because here's the problem. If you're looking to experience the presence coming upon you, when it doesn't happen, look at somebody and say, you're going to feel like you're missing it. Now, I'm going to show you something, prophet. How many of y'all really, honestly, truly needed to hear that? Look at the room. How many of y'all suffered from a distractive mind? How many of you went to pray in an anxious mind? A disturbed mind? How many of you found yourself frustrated? Now, why am I talking about this? Because we're talking about standing in the presence of the Lord. We're talking about hearing God more clearly. We're talking about resisting the daily attacks of the enemy. Here's what's funny. As we're actually talking about operating in the kingdom of God while you're on the earth. Did you catch that? Okay. So, so one of the things I do, and I could teach on this after this, after we take about 10 minutes to just praise the Lord. I could teach you on what you need to do with your head. Look at somebody again and smile and say, your head needs an awful lot of heavenly help. Okay, now let me, let me, okay. Um, what I do in prayer, standing in the presence of the Lord, depends upon what my purpose is. Okay, so sometimes my purpose is to develop my communion with the Holy Spirit. So St. Corinthians 13, 14 says, now, May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the koinonia, the friendship, the intimacy, the closeness, the fellowship, the partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. So sometimes what I will do is I'll just simply pray in the Spirit. Now there's times when I'm praying in the Spirit and I'm focused on something. And there's times where my mind can just go anywhere it wants to go because it don't matter what my mind is doing. I'm not focused on my mind. 
I'm just focused on my spirit and sensing the presence of the Lord, whether I feel it or not, being aware and conscious of the presence of the Lord in my spirit. First Corinthians 14, he that speaks in a tongue speaks to who? He who speaks in a tongue builds up his what? His spirit. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the... So you will find that your faith will rise and fall according to Acts 20, 32. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, make you strong, and give you your inheritance. Hearing and doing the word among them that are made holy. And your faith will rise and fall according to how much time you spend praying in the spirit. And... Praying in the Spirit becomes a doorway to operate in the supernatural and move into the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't have to feel a thing. In fact, the truth of the matter is, <laughs> some of the greatest miracles I have ever witnessed or experienced, I wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. But it was sure enough here. It was sure enough here. And it was here, and it was here. But I didn't. <laughs> no. So here's what I'm going to do. I like to sit down on the job. So I'm going to ask Pastor Keith to come and lead us praying in the spirit for about 10 minutes. And I'm going to sit down somewhere. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on the presence of the Lord within your spirit. Okay, why am I doing this? Everybody said, you've had bread, the bread of life. Look at somebody say, now you need to drink of living water or new wine. Right? Because after you eat, you're supposed to do what? Drink. Okay, pastor, come on. And I'm going to take a chair. You watch the time and let me know. Come this way with your hand to the Lord. I'm going to read the scripture because this falls in line with what he just said in 1 Kings 17 and 1. And I'm just going to read the section of it that is applicable. And this is Elijah. He says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands up to him and just just begin to focus on him and just begin to just love on him and the Lord is good the Lord is kind the Lord is perfect in all his ways just think about his goodness as we begin to commune with him as we begin to fellowship with him as we begin to love him as we begin to speak to him as we begin to lift him up in our hearts our minds our souls Father, we just love you today. Come on, just declare right now. Let your voice ring out. Let your voice ring out. Father, we just love you today. We just love you. We just adore you. We just praise you. We just glorify you. We just thank you, Father. You've been so good to us. You've been better than we've been to ourselves. You've been awesome in all your ways to us. There's no one like you. We just lift your name up on high. We just give you all the glory and all the praise. We thank you right now, Father, for what you are doing. Lord, we want to just fellowship with you. We just want to love on you. We just want to give you all glory and all praise. Lord, we thank you now in the name of Jesus. Father, we just give you glory. Amen. 
Look 
Herada shikina bora, lokora kina bora, shikina bora. Akana boko shikira, lokora kina bora, shikina bora. Lokora kina bora, shikina bora. Lokora kina bora, shikina. Lokora kina bora kina, lokora kina bora shikina bori. Lokora kina bora shikina, lokora kina bora kina bora shikina. Lokora kina bora kina bora shikina bora. Lokora kina bora shikina bora di. Lokora kina bora kina bora shikina. Lokora kina bora shikina bora. Ikan bora kina bora kina bora. Lokora kina bora shikina bora. Lokora <laughs> Come on, give the Lord a shout for about 30 seconds. All right, you may be seated. Oh, man, come on up, man. Join us, brother. Uh, come on up here and sit beside Keith. Give him trouble. Okay. Um, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. talking now about standing in the presence of the Lord, the gifts of the Spirit, hearing God more clearly, operating in the supernatural. And by implication, we'll be also be talking about how to resist daily attacks of the enemy. This will surprise you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to enter the Holy of Holies, but it's not going to be like you think. Um, It's going to be fun. Look at somebody say it's going to be fun. All right. So um, let's do 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's start with that. And we're going to look at verse uh, 11. Elk. 
Elkanah went home to Ramah, Ramah, while the boy remained to minister to the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. Look at somebody say, Samuel, minister to the Lord. Everybody say, he worshiped God, he served God, and he obeyed God. Okay, and he was under delegated authority. Same chapter, verse 18. And Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Everybody say, Samuel, Samuel. was ministering before the Lord. Now, when you look at verse 21, same chapter, and the Lord took note of Hannah, and she conceived, bore three sons, five daughters, and everybody say, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So now here he is, he prays, he praises the Lord, he worships the Lord, he obeys the Lord, he's under delegated authority, and now he's starting to grow up in the presence. I think it's very interesting. All right. Verse 26, now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in height and in favor with the Lord and with the people. Look at somebody say, continue to grow. I think that's very interesting that as you pray, praise and worship God, you grow in the presence of the Lord. Everybody say, and you continue to grow. One of the things that you'll see if you've been around for a while is you'll see that some, some people stagnate and they get stuck. I'll leave that alone. Look at somebody say, but you want to continue. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 8, he said, if you continue to keep my word, everybody say continue. Then he says, you're my disciples in reality. Then he says, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The Greek word for free there means exempt. Look at somebody say IRS, <laughs> exemptions. Look at somebody say continue until the truth makes you exempt from the activity of the evil one. 1 Samuel 3 and 1, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions or open visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, and this is both natural and spiritual, so he could not see naturally or spiritually, was lying down in his room, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, everybody say, Samuel, was lying down in the presence of the Lord. Because that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. Now notice this. How do I operate in the supernatural? Look at somebody say, chillax. Everybody say, relax. Everybody say, rest comes before revelation. Look at somebody say, calm your happy self down. There's a time to pray with intensity. And there's a time to get quiet before the Lord. Be silent, for the Lord has entered his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before the presence of the Lord. Samuel was lying down. Everybody say he was quiet. Everybody say his heart was at rest. 
and his mind was at rest. When he became quiet, the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, everybody say, here I am. Look at somebody say, when you get quiet, now you can hear, now you can see, now you can smell, now you can touch, now you can taste, now you can recognize visitation. And he said, here I am, and ran out to Eli, here I am, for you called me, because sometimes when the Lord first deals with you, it sounds like the voice of your spiritual father or mother. He said, I didn't call you to lie down again. Look at somebody said, you need to lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel, get up. And he said, here I am. Hmm. You called me. I didn't call you, my son, lie down. I'll show you how slow Eli is. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. No, everybody say no. no. Neither was the word of the Lord revealed to him. Look at somebody say, you need to have his word revealed to you. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and he got up and went to Eli, and Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy, and he says, go, lie down, and if he calls you, everybody say, respond to the revelation. Say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And then, of course, Samuel becomes the boy prophet, that becomes a man prophet. Um, one of the persons I saw in heaven was the prophet Samuel. And... Um, what Samuel told me was this, and I'm not going to go into everything I'm just going to say. Samuel told me, he said, God is going to show you some of the secrets of the seers. And so um, I'm going to share with you a little bit on the secret of the seers. Everybody say it's just a taste. But it's going to be related to a number of our subjects. Okay. First thing is this. Everybody say Relax. Have you ever been like me, where you had a huge, heavy concern and care, and you were really praying hard for God to talk to you, and the harder you prayed, look at somebody say, the harder it was for you to hear. <laughs> if you will check back, most of the time when you heard God, it's when you were in a state of relaxation. You were driving your car. You were taking a shower or a bath. You were folding clothes, doing the dishes. Everybody say you had that moment where heaven could break in. Now I'm going to give you a scripture that's going to surprise you. It's one you know, Psalm 46 and 10. Right? 46 and 10. Where it says, be still and know I'm God. In the original language, God is not in there. Everybody say, be still and know I am. Everybody say, stillness. Now, this is translated still. But actually, in the Hebrew, it means to relax. You could probably even translate it better to say, let go. Look at somebody and say, let go of what's been troubling you. 
Be still. Get quiet so that you can recognize I am. Okay. Does this make sense to you? How many of you have had the experience of either in the car or in the shower or something like that, someplace, mowing the lawn, doing daily chores, you, the Lord visited you or spoke to you in some way? Raise your hands. Okay? Praise and worship where you relaxed. Look at somebody and say, you had a moment. So, stillness is not the absence of noise. It is the moment that you cross over from the natural to the spiritual, from the realm, your consciousness and awareness of the realm of the earth and you step into the realm of heaven. And you can be conscious of both worlds at once. And um, truth of the matter is, um, And, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in church. Look at somebody saying it don't have to be in church. Um, at all. You know what? I'm, I wonder if I've got this in this notebook because I can't hold all this stuff in my head. So give me a second here. Go ahead and praise the Lord for a minute while I try to find something. Come on, praise the Lord for a minute. I don't know if it's in this notebook or another one. Come on, praise the Lord in the spirit. Okay, I found it. Um, sometimes when we think about the gifts of the Spirit or we think about the move of God, we put it in church. Let me give you something historical. How many of you ever remember hearing in school about a man by the name of George Washington Carver? How many of you? Raise your hands if you have. Okay. He lived from 19, eight, uh, not 1864 to 1943. Did you know he was saved? He was saved. In fact, he had a great relationship with God. In fact, what he did was he said, um, he said, Lord, show me the secrets of the universe. And the Lord said, little man, you're too small for me to show you the secrets of the universe. But I will share with you the mysteries of the peanut." Here's what you don't know. Did you know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you know he spoke in tongues? Did you know that he would go out, pray in the Spirit, have a notebook, 
And I don't know if he found 72 uses of the peanut, 100 uses of the peanut, or 300 uses of the peanut. I guess it depends. Yeah, it depends on the, the author who the writer. But this particular writer, not her, but this writer said 300 uses of the peanut. Everybody say, all by revelation. Yes. Look at somebody say, he was an inventor. Look at somebody say, in his relationship with God, the Lord made him personally successful and benefited people of the earth. So we're talking about operating in the supernatural. We're talking about operating in the kingdom of God while on earth. Obviously, if he was walking with God, he was not lukewarm. Okay. Did you know that he was friends with Henry Ford? Did you know that he created a tire for Henry Ford? Did you know that George Washington Carver started a college? Did you know that Henry Ford left more money to George Washington Carver than he did anyone else outside of his family? Did you know that George Washington Carver, through the Holy Spirit, created more inventors and millionaires than Stanford, Yale, and Harvard in his day? Look at somebody and say, look what the Holy Ghost can do. Look at somebody say, you ought to walk some more in the spirit. He would get out his Bible. Everybody say the word and the spirit. Did you know through the Holy Spirit, he produced products in gasoline, sweet potatoes, soybeans, pecans, plastics, paints, and dyes? Hmm. Did you know that President Roosevelt sought his counsel on agricultural matters in the United States? Everybody say, the word, the spirit. Everybody say, think the word, speak the word, do the word. Everybody say, Joshua 1 and 8. Everybody say, pray in the spirit, live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. Did you know that he was a member of the British Royal Society of the Arts, which is rare for an American, and he was African American on yeah. top of that? Yeah. Everybody say, it don't matter what the culture says. The Holy Spirit can take you above and beyond. Did you know that he had international fame and he testified before Congress that led to a tariff passed in 1922? Everybody say this presence. So he would get in the word. He would have a notebook. He would pray in the spirit. He'd relax. And the Lord would show him the secrets that he hid in his creation. Amen. Okay. 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 He refused to be like everybody else in his day. Okay, so when we think of Sears, we think of somebody who calls people out, has visions and revelations. We never think of a seer in the realm of inventions. Jesus. 
products, services, marketplace. Yeah. Everybody say everyday life. We don't think of Sears as Abraham worships God, Isaac worships God, Jacob becomes Israel and worships God, and prophesies the son, the, the future of his 12 sons. Everybody say, seeing and prophesying over your children and over your generations. We just put it in church. There's a brother. <laughs> ah, I can't think of his name right now. And, but he would minister to businessmen. And uh, he would get them saved and he would tell them if you get saved, your business would do better. Get filled with the Holy Ghost, it'd do even better. So he's invited to speak at this meeting, and this guy says to him, don't be talking about that, on t that tongue stuff. <laughs> the, the guy who's the host says this, and then the guy walks up and says to him, to the preacher, who's a businessman, he says, man, ever since you taught me to pray in tongues, I did $65 million more business. Now, what's funny is the guy who walked up was doing business with the host. So the host turned to the businessman preacher and said, talk about tongues. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could think of his name. Ah, escapes me. Look at somebody say, operating in the kingdom of God while you're here on the earth. Okay. Uh, I have much more to say, but I'm not going to tell you everything. All right. You have to learn how to let go. Okay, let me say this to you. I have a brother I know young apostle, young prophet. And uh, he gets caught up to heaven. And uh, somebody else had, I think, died. And uh, he brings his concern about her relatives to Jesus. Would you like to know what Jesus says to him? Yeah. You can't bring that here. Look at somebody and say, you cannot remain in the realm of heaven and keep your care. Okay, now, no, you need to hear this. Your care limits your ability to stay in the realm of heaven even when you're on the earth. Uh-huh. Look at somebody say, your care limits your ability to stay in the realm of heaven 
when you're here upon the earth. So the apostle says, cast your care upon the the Lord cares for you because he wants you to get into and stay in the realm of heaven. And care acts like gravity. That ties you to the earth. Look at somebody say, it's spiritual weight. That ties you to the earth and keeps you from being where you're supposed to be in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. This is why in the daily attack of the enemy. See, okay, going beyond the temptation to sin. Aside from the temptation to sin, one of the biggest attacks of the enemy is to be loaded down with everybody say, care. Care for your spouse, care for your children, care for your grandchildren, care for your occupation, care for your job. Okay. You under attack and don't even know it by an enemy that is so subtle that goes by the name of concern and worry and care. And because it seems legitimate, you let it weigh you down. And then when you pray and praise, you have problems, everybody say, rising. See, they've been waiting for me to prophesy. I've been prophesying. <laughs> waiting for you to call me out. Look at somebody say, he's been calling you out. Look, you asked me about teaching. And I told you, discerning of spirits, word of knowledge. Show you how many of you been under an attack by care? Raise your hands, look around the room. How many of you will admit that your cares? Watch this Jesus said, The cares of this life have limited your ability to everybody say, Move in the spirit. So you have to identify. The attack, because you're thinking, I'm not sinning. How come I'm not further? Look at, look at somebody say, because you've been bound and held captive by care. Yeah, get a divorce. Look at somebody say, I divorce care right now. Because caring about it ain't fixed it. No, watch this. What caring about it has done is it has drained your strength. It has caused mental and emotional tiredness. Oh, y'all gonna make me act African-American up here for a minute. 
It has brought you into a state of weariness. They know I mean it now, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. Can I go another 20 seconds? I don't know. Pray for me. Pray for me. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm saying. So in a way, the enemy is wearing out the saints of the Most High through worry. Look at somebody say, let worry turn to worship. Look at somebody say, let struggle turn to serenity. I mean, some of us, we really do need to go to AA. Right? Right? God, grant me the sir. Yeah, you can't change it by your care. You change it by turning over your care to the one who cares for you. Uh, look at somebody say, I think I have sinned without even knowing it. Look at somebody say, I've sinned against myself. Look at somebody say, I repent to God right now in Jesus' name. Look at somebody say, I sinned against the Lord and didn't even know it. Say, Lord, I repent in Jesus' name. Lord, forgive me. I forgive myself. I'm letting go of care. Look at somebody say, it belongs to God now. No, 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 no. Some people are taken captive by what they care about. That is so in their face, they can no longer see Jesus. Distraction. Want to make a sense to you? All right. So I'm waiting for what's next. You know, sometimes when your sleep is disturbed, it's not insomnia. It's the Lord seeking you. Because he's got something he wants to say to you. Huh? Why do you think I'm talking to you? Shall I repeat? Yeah. Sometimes when you cannot sleep, it is not insomnia. Besides, this is a word for this row, by the way. Yeah. Sometimes when you cannot sleep, it is not insomnia, it is the Lord seeking you because he has something to say to you. Okay? okay. Sometimes you have to be silent for minutes, not just five. 
not just 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So sometimes one of the best things to do is to put on, uh, what do you call it, um, Christian music without words, soaking music or instrumental music um, that, you know, kind of sets a tone. Everybody said, push you in the atmosphere. Okay. Okay. All right. Everybody say, secrets of the seers. Okay. Let me tell you a secret, one of the secrets of the seers. Okay. This is true beyond the seer realm. You think in an atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Truth is parallel, natural, spiritual. You think in an atmosphere. For example, when you go to school, if you're in medical school, you're in nursing school, there's an atmosphere. It's an academic atmosphere. In that atmosphere, you, say, you think a certain way. If you're in a nightclub, look at somebody and say, your thinking is according to the atmosphere. Does it make sense to you? So sometimes the atmosphere of heaven, okay, will enable you to have everybody say inspired thought. Now, what may bring her, what kind of music brings her into the atmosphere of heaven may not be the same kind of music that brings him into the atmosphere of heaven. Because everybody said there's room for preference. So sometimes what I do is I'm not looking for a vision. I'm not looking for a dream. I'm looking for a thought. This is why preachers love to listen to other preachers. Because while I'm preaching, God's talking to you saying something I'm not even saying. Because as I release the atmosphere of revelation, revelation comes. Does that make sense to you? Okay, now, I'll say this to the preachers. How many preachers I got here? Raise all you preachers. Whether you're licensed, ordained, or not, raise your hands, all you preachers. Okay. Okay. There are preachers that can only function in the atmosphere that somebody else has created. By somebody else's prayer, by somebody else's praise, by somebody else's worship. They can only function in an atmosphere somebody else has created. Then there are preachers who can receive a word from the Lord while they're in the personal atmosphere of heaven. And when they come into a church, they can release a word that will crack an atmosphere. There's a difference between being able to function in an atmosphere that's created for you and being able to crack open a heavenly atmosphere. Then there are preachers that can, can come with a word that will, everybody say, create an atmosphere that was not there before. Everybody say, you think out of an atmosphere. Now, let me tell you something else about atmospheres. You ready? You ready? 
This is what people don't recognize. Your spirit has the ability to recognize and memorize different atmospheres. Ah. The atmosphere for the prophetic is not the same atmosphere for healing. The atmosphere for healing is not the same atmosphere as creative miracles. Look at somebody say, there's degrees of the supernatural. Everybody say, degrees. So you can be in the supernatural in Jesus to speak in tongues. That ain't the same as causing the deaf to hear. Look at somebody say, it's a different degree. Everybody say, in the supernatural. Can I mess with you? Getting the blind to see is more difficult than getting the deaf to hear because it's a different degree. That's why you see more deaf hear than you see blind see. And there's a different degree in the supernatural to cause the paralyzed to be healed and to walk than even the deaf to hear and the blind to see. That's why you see at least among the three. Here in the U.S. Look at somebody say, he's talking about the U.S. We ain't talking about Africa. Did you hear what I said? And there's a different degree in bringing the dead to life. Or killing them. Because <laughs> the person who can bring the dead to life can also kill some folks. If you have the authority to do one, you have the power to do the other. Whoa. Yes, sir. Why did Jesus say, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or stand up and <laughs> And then he says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, ecclesia. Um, why did he say it? I had a dream about a person having a paralyzed heart. And so you had these four men bearing a man who's physically paralyzed. They break open the roof and they set him down before Jesus. And if I would have been the homeowner, I would have said, okay, after this man gets his miracle, you're repairing my roof. Because all you had to do was pass the message along that you needed in here. I told everybody to get out of your way to bring him in. But now you're going to fix my roof. Today after the meeting. And the brother who's paralyzed, you helping. <laughs> the man's heart was paralyzed. The man's mind was paralyzed. The man's emotions was paralyzed by sin and guilt. Guilt will keep a person from receiving from God. And so sometimes you have to remove the spiritual, mental, and emotional paralysis to heal the physical paralysis. So he's demonstrating sozo. Because there's five different words for healing. In this case, it was sozo. 
which is complete healing. Everybody say salvation, spirit, soul, body. So when you're looking at when you when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for example, and you look at the Greek words for healing, the most common words are iomeo, which is miraculous healing, therapeuo, which is gradual healing, and sometimes they're used interchangeably. In other words, there can be a part of it that happens miraculously, and then there's a part of it that happens gradually. That's a whole nother thing. I'm not doing that right now. Great question. How you see it in the Greek, one of the ways you see it, is when Jesus said, am I doing something wrong? Gotta move this way? Yeah, that's right. So, how you sit in the Greek is Jesus says, um, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, right? These signs will follow them that believe. But in the Greek, it means to believe and keep believing. Them that believe refers back to he that believes and is baptized. It's very interesting. You know how we, um, <laughs> we'll go, here's what we'll say. When Jesus said in John's gospel, he that believes on me has eternal life. In the Greek, it's he who believes into me has eternal life. He, everybody say he who believes. And so we'll say that applies to everybody. But then when we get over to John 14, where Jesus says, he that believes on or into me, the works I do, he should do also. And greater works than these. We'll say he's talking to the apostles now. Everybody say same phrase. He who believes. And by the way, everybody say it's a verb. Everybody say, you're going to have to do something. Okay. I don't remember where I was. Oh, I was on atmosphere. Okay. So, um, atmosphere is so important. Okay. I, was, I know. I, don't, I remember now. Holy Spirit, remind me. Okay. So, what you do is when you come to church, okay, let's say you see a Billy Graham or a, uh, a Tiff Shuttlesworth. Somebody who uh, uh, um, emphasizes salvation, what you do is, is when you're in that atmosphere, you memorize. You feel the atmosphere and you memorize. This is the atmosphere for people getting saved. The next time you feel that atmosphere, you go, oh, I, know, I now know what God wants to do. Okay. That's good. Here's, you have somebody, um, uh, Eddie James will do a song called uh, uh, Lord, Make Me a House of Prayer. That song has a certain atmosphere attached to it. What's that song make you want to do? Pray. Yeah. So you memorize that atmosphere when you feel that atmosphere. And so, oh, it's time to pray. Right? Uh, I think that was, I think uh, Shekinah Glory did a song called What Does the Lord Require of You? The, the Lord requires more of you. That thing makes you want to pray. So you look at different songs. Look at somebody say, and they have an atmosphere. So uh, probably the one of the most dramatic. I was in uh, Mexico. And I was <laughs> no, I was in. I was in. A, I was at a Mexican church. I was in a hotel, and I'm watching Spanish uh, service, all in Spanish, and uh, this woman is singing in Spanish on TV, but I feel the same anointing and glory as if I'm in a Benny Hinn meeting. 
And I'm going, what is this? And then the guy who comes out to minister is named Cash Luna. How many of you have ever heard of Cash Luna? Okay, Cash Luna, is, he pastors in Guatemala. He is Benny Hinn, refined and with extreme finesse. Same anointing, same glory. People get healed in the con congregation. They come up on both sides, and he lets them give their testimony, and then he goes, ciao, and over they go. Everybody say Spanish style. Ciao. <laughs> same glory. Everybody say healing. healing. Miracles. And one time he was praying like six hours a day. And so uh, you know, that's what he was doing. I don't know what he's doing now. Everybody say, there's a prophetic atmosphere. Everybody say, teaching atmosphere. So one of the reasons why you want to hear different preachers is you get to experience dip, different atmospheres of heaven. Okay, now, you know, I'll approach a subject that I know some people will have issues with, and I, just forgive me, because I, you know, like somebody said, give the preacher a little latitude. Okay. See, I don't have a problem if gold dust falls in this place. It's not a problem for me whatsoever. Let me tell you why. If it was snowing out there and you walked in here, you're going to bring some snow on your shoes. So if angels are walking in heaven and get some dust on them golden streets and come in this service, and stand over us and shake a leg <laughs> or decide to walk on the walls or decide to grab some gold dust and put it on your head, your face, make you look better, make you sparkle. I ain't got no problems. Look at somebody say, he don't care. Everybody say, it ain't the glory. It's a sign of glory. Somebody said, well, what's the purpose of it? It depends. Is it a sign? Or everybody said, is it a miracle? There was a guy, his name was Bob Shadows. He had this dust fall on him everywhere. He led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to the Lord just by this stuff just falling on him. They go, what is that? I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> I ain't got no problem with it. You have, I don't care what kind of dust you got for it. Gold dust, red dust, yellow dust. Look at somebody say, as long as it's dust from heaven, it's good for me. I know a man, this is a, he would have gold dust form around the deaf and they hear. He'd have gold dust form around the eye and they see. He had gold dust get on your wallet and you have a supernatural debt cancellation. Look at somebody say, I'll take the gold dust. Money would appear out of nowhere. Look at somebody say, you'll change your theology, won't you? Yes, you will. <laughs> Especially when it pays the bills. <laughs> I ain't got no, you know. Now, will, will some people fake it? Probably. Look at somebody say, for everything real. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I was with a woman named Billy Deck. She had a diamond up here. She in church, she fell out in the spirit. You know what somebody did? Stole a diamond. <laughs> Stole her diamond. So the Lord says, forgive them. When she forgives them, another diamond appears and splits into two. And now she got two diamonds. 
you know, I was talking with uh, Mike. He showed me a picture of a diamond. I think it was worth, what, $6,000. Look at somebody say, hallelujah, let's have church. I, I, um, I think, was it, um, was it Charlie who said that uh, uh, gold appeared? Was it gold? It was diamonds, gemstones. And they paid off the church in India. And that's happened more than once. Look at somebody say, I'll take some of them gemstones. Look at somebody say, take care of my mortgage, Jesus. <laughs> I, have, I have a uh, friend of mine. I ain't going to mention his name. Uh, he's crazy. He is out of his mind. He does stuff I don't think he should do. Uh, you know, it's from God, but I don't think he should do it. Because <laughs> he, he can actually stand up here and say, uh, lift up your wallet and your person. I'm going to pray and money going to appear. So this woman says, you're a false prophet. And then, and then money appeared in her purse. It wasn't there. She says, you're a true prophet. <laughs> Huh? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me who that is. He crazy. He is. is no, nah, I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> he crazy. I love him, man. I love him. Yeah. He he came out of the jail. He came out of the penal system. But he's he's an incredible man of God. Extremely prophetic. Uh, he used to have dreadlocks. I don't know what he got now. He used to have blonde dreadlocks. I don't know what he wearing now. What color they are now? Look at somebody said God's people go. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I don't know how I got off on all that, but I sure had a good time. Atmosphere, yes. So, let me do this and then we're going to have to shift. You guys are good? Okay, let me say this to you. Um, okay, holy of holies, I'll touch that. Um, oh, I should do this first. Yeah, um... Uh, there's a guy, his name's Joshua Mills. How many of you ever heard Joshua Mills? Okay, Joshua Mills likes to sing to the Lord. So I have Joshua Mills on film, right? He's standing here worshiping the Lord, and you see all this dust fall on just him, right? He's wearing black, and just fall. you watch it on film, fall on him. And his hands are out like this, he's take off his shoes, he got a, he got a towel on the ground, his feet's on it, because oil's dripping from his hands, and he got a glass down there, and it's dripping into the glass, and he got to have, the, the towel down there just so he doesn't run the carpet because it's coming from his feet too. And then when it gets about this full in the glass, he ministers and anoints those people with oil and God heals them. Look at somebody say, anointing with oil. Now, would I have a problem with that? No. Why would I have a problem with that? Look at somebody say, supernatural oil. Look at somebody say, he God, he can do it if he wants to. I mean, I guess down there in Georgia right now, some guy, some people were praying. These guys were praying. Say, Lord, listen, it's funny how uh, nothing could happen. And the Lord can make you pray. Yeah. And, and, and these guys said, Lord, please do something. So this guy's got a Bible and it fills up with oil from Psalm 139 and it fills up the whole Bible. And then it starts dropping from the pulpit, collecting up. So people come from near and far to see this oil, the sign. Everybody says, see the sign. But then they annoy people with oil and God's healing people. Look at somebody say, I ain't got no problem with that. Now some people go, ooh. You say that? 
do you got cancer and that oil's healing people cancer you might change your theology See, I don't care. See, I, look, I don't care. Is it get, look, is it getting results? Does it glorify Jesus? Yeah. 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 Praise God. Praise I ain't got no problem with it. Huh? I don't care if angels' feathers start falling here. <laughs> ain't no problem with me. I know people can fake it, but if it fall out of the air, it, it ain't going to be me because I just came into church, <laughs> drank my Pepsi, hung out in the back, mm, thinking about Mexican food for lunch. What's the closest Chili's? Round the corner, can you come, Mike? Can you come? Can you come? Can you come, Prophet? Yeah, man, let's go, let's go, let's go Mexican. I feel Spanish. Como esta? <laughs> Gloria adios. <laughs> Y'all crazy. Anyway. Holy of holies. Okay. I personally believe that there's multiple realms in the Holy Spirit based upon first, based upon chapter one, Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, italicized in Christ Jesus. Heavenlies can be translated. Everybody say territories, territories. domains, domains. Realms. realms. So there's multiple realms in Jesus Christ, okay? Based upon your relationship with God and the revelation you have because the revelation is the key to unlocking the realm. Everybody say every realm has a key or a series of keys that opens up that realm to you. Look at somebody say without the revelation you cannot enter the realm. So um, if I preach Jesus as Lord and Savior, everybody say Passover. Everybody say outer court, biggest dimensions. If I preach Pentecost, everybody say Jesus baptizer in the spirit. Everybody say speaking in tongues, gifts of the spirit, inner court. If I preach tabernacles, everybody say the presence of God, the glory of God, worship. Everybody say holy of holies, the glory realm. Now, how does this correspond to the Lord's prayer? Yours is the kingdom. Everybody say the message. Everybody say the power. The manifestation. Everybody say the glory. The movement. Everybody say outer court. Inner court. Holy of holies. Everybody say outer court. The word. The message. Everybody say inner court. Everybody say Pentecost. Everybody say manifestation. The power. Everybody say uh, Holy of Holies. Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody say the glory. Everybody say the movement. Everybody say outer court. Passover. Repentance and faith. The blood of Jesus. Of the seven feasts, three main. So I got to get the message to bring the manifestation and then move into the movement. Questions? Get ready to close. I think you've had about all you can take. Yes, sir. 
what kind of manifestation? Depends on what the manifestation is. Um, it okay. First thing is this, what is the purpose of the manifestation? Because every manifestation has a purpose. Is it a sign or is it a miracle? See, this is important because, okay, this is rare. Um, I realize that if I preach on this subject, really preach on it, gold dust will manifest. I know that. I've done it. But I've had gold dust where a woman was blind, gold dust appeared, and she saw. Or a person, gold dust appeared, and a part, body part got created. Okay? So, I've been in service where children had oil flowing from their hands. Or people, uh, there was oil that flowed from people's hands in a school of the supernatural, and everybody could smell the oil in the room. Or, you know, maybe an angel feather fell, or there was heavy angelic activity. Or people had visions, and supernatural things happened. Um, For me, it's what is God's purpose behind it. Um, I typically don't preach for those kinds of manifestations. It's okay to have them. What, the problem that I have seen is people get stuck in them. And they don't think they've had church until one of those manifestations happens. And that becomes the problem. Next, the manifestations are sovereign, which means it happens when God chooses. And when you try to make a sovereign act, if you try to make to happen by faith, what's a sovereign act? You're getting ready to go off course. Did you hear me? Okay. Very, very good question. And there are, you know, there's... You know, you can have a you know, you can have a glory cloud physically appear. Um, <laughs> this is funny. In Oklahoma, a bunch of young people I guess got saved and their smoke starts coming out of the floor. So they run downstairs and see if there's a fire, ain't no fire. And then they figure out it's God. Now these are young believers. So they got filled with the joy of the Lord and what they called the glory was God's laughing gas. They didn't know what else to call it. Look at somebody say it came out the floor. Covered everybody. Everybody say we could use some laughing gas. Because people need to be delivered from their prune face up in here. And I'm saying that as a way of expression. Okay? So, I mean, I think, uh, I think Mahesh Avdis had it. I think, uh, uh, I think Bill Johnson them had it. People criticize it. You know, here's the thing. People criticize what they don't understand. And that's okay. Okay? So it doesn't matter. I mean, there was a case of a, of a physical glory cloud appearing over the pulpit, and the pastor literally got levitated up into it. Oh, levitations of the devil. Well, what was Jesus doing walking on the water? Hello. Just to make you think. Levitation didn't start with New Age. Look at somebody say it started with God. 
And so because they stole it, we now back away from it. All right? Yes, ma'am. You want to ask a question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I have, that happens what happens at your house? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In my car. Yeah. And so it's interesting because I don't know what I'm supposed to do as far as like what do you do? Worship, worship the Lord. And so, okay. Angels all around. And so it's interesting because when I mention it to another believer. Oh, girl, you, 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 you have lost your mind. Yeah. That's the you. That's the devil. I'm through with you. So that was, you know, I'm excited because I'm thinking it's something happening. No, no, no. See, okay, let me help you understand something. Um, there was this prophet. He kept seeing hit one of his, the angels with him, and for a few weeks the angel wasn't around. So prophets are nuts. They're just crazy. All of them. All of them. So this prophet says to the angel. When he starts seeing him again after some weeks, he says, Rude, where you been? <laughs> and the angel said, Well, just like you as a human being goes to sleep to get refreshment and renewal for your body, we angels go up into the presence of God, and that's how we get our refreshment and renewal. Look at somebody say, Learn the lesson. So this prophet says, Well, I'm glad nothing happened to me while you were getting refreshed. <laughs> To which the angel responds, I made sure you was provided for. Psalm 91 says, the Lord shall give his angels a command concerning you to keep you in all your ways. Which begs the question, does your angel sometimes need a break from you? <laughs> Look at somebody say, your angel might want a break. Why you ain't seeing in the spirit the angels going, Lord, please, 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 send somebody for a minute. <laughs> I remember, this is so funny. I remember seeing this angel who was assigned this one person. <laughs> Here's what the angel was doing. Look at somebody said, Don't bore your angel. Look at somebody said, Do something for the Lord. Look at somebody say, make your angels assignment a little bit better. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes ma'am. What about when your hand is on fire and there is no one around and you're asking God, you know, you're asking God about who should I heal or what to do because it happens quite often with me and I never know. Yeah, it could be a sign for when you're supposed to minister healing. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I know a minister. I know some people. I do. I know some really. Um, when his left hand, when something happens in his left hand, he knows God's getting ready to do creative miracles. Sometimes um, how higher revelation he preaches depends upon the angel that stands in the back and if his wings are down, that means you can't go very far with these folks. The higher the wings go up, the more revelation he can release. But he'll, he'll 99.9 .9 times, he will never tell you about the angel that's telling him how far he can go. See, 
Let me tell you a secret. Prophets are known on earth by what they see and say. Prophets are known in heaven by what they see and what they don't say. Like somebody said, there's a huge difference. So you don't say everything you see. Yes, sir. You said earlier that we can't take our cares into the presence of God. Um, the Lord said you can't keep your cares and stay here. Your care got to go. So you bring your care and you leave it there. That's why he said, cast your care. Because, uh, see, this is what people don't understand. Jesus died for your care. Yes. Yeah. That's a whole other message. I might deal with that tonight. Yes. My question is, how do you, how do you, how do you avoid I'm going to keep doing it then. How do you go to the extreme, how do you avoid going to the extreme of not caring? How do you avoid, okay, how do you avoid? Because I have a job where I pick up all the care from the I got my own care at home. So how do you get to a place? Oh, where oh, oh, yeah, 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 Okay. Well, you're not going the other extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to define in your mind the difference between love and care. Okay. With regards to care, you detach. With regards to love, you obey the commandment to love others. The issue with care is this. You're taking a burden that God never told you to take on, and then you keep it. Look at somebody say, don't take on a burden that the Lord didn't tell you to take on. Now, the Bible says, bear you one another's burdens, but that is the burden the Lord tells you to take on. Yes! Do this for somebody. Yeah. But what happens then is in the attack of the enemy, he will deceive you into taking on cares that are not yours in an effort to weaken you. Your spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical immune system. Still with me? Yeah. So what you do is you only take on the burdens that you're commanded to take on. And none others. Here's the other thing. Even when, okay, now this is important. Even when, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching everybody. I'm looking at you, but I'm teaching everybody. Even when it is a burden the Lord tells you to take on, there are times when you need to detach from it to take care of yourself. Because, see, okay, you have, you have two extremes. You have those that care about themselves and nobody else. Then you have those who care about everybody else but don't take care of themselves. And either one of those is out of balance. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. And you'll, 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 um, you'll be lovingly corrected by God. In fact, you actually see it in the scripture. I'll point it out for you in the, in the original language. Turn to 1 Timothy. Are you getting something out of this? Praise the Lord. What is the Holy Spirit? Because... I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4. And it's actually verse 16. 
Um, context determines meaning when you're looking at uh, hermeneutics. And the context is, is um, Timothy was extraordinary because he worked with Paul, and you had to be extraordinary to work with Paul. I mean, Paul was... Um, I saw Paul in heaven. He's a little short, brother. Um, he still had the scars on his face from when he was stoned, and he still had the scars on his neck from when he was beheaded. And he retained by choice the scars of his body to glorify Christ, even when you see him there. Okay, But it's all glorious. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. And so he's a little short guy, maybe five foot tall. And uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, um, Timothy was the bishop of the church of Ephesus that numbered about 100,000 in this writing. The area was only about 200,000. So um, Timothy was an apostle. He was very busy. So in verse um, um, 16, Paul says, uh, 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 take heed to yourself or pay close attention to yourself. And the reason he says this is that Timothy was so busy taking care of everything else and everybody else, he was losing himself. And one of the dangers that some of us have in ministry and more women than men with regards to family, you are so busy taking care of everything else and everybody else, you put yourself on the shelf or you neglect biblical self-care. Just taking care of yourself. Look at somebody and say, Jesus commands, Jesus commands. You, to you to have me time. Me time. Jesus took me time to be with the Father. That's why he, he closed out the meeting and went to the mountain. That's why he got up early in the morning and went into the desert to pray and be with the Father. Look at somebody and say, you need some me time. Okay one, of the, okay, one of the reasons why we're suffering from stress is we violate the principle of the Sabbath. Not, everybody say, not the Sabbath day. Everybody say, the principle of the Sabbath. Which means to choose a time to rest. And because we violate the principle, we come under an attack from the enemy. Look at somebody and say, keep the principle. So I am not compelled to answer my phone or an email or a text until I get ready. Your crisis is not my crisis. Because I have been in the ministry long enough to know that if your crisis always is my crisis, I'm going to be burnt out. And then you're going to wonder what happened to him. And so I, I have long learned that you don't get done. You just have to quit for the day. Look at somebody and say, you never get done. You just got to quit for the day. You never get done. And I have to say this more to women than men because y'all got a thing about getting done. But you live with us. We going to mess it up shortly. Look at somebody and say, shortly. And then we got the workaholics. Look at somebody and say, I hope he ain't talking about you now. 
Uh, I'll share this and then I'm, I'm gonna try to close. Yes, sir, I'll answer your question first. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering how and when to command your angel. Um, how and when to command your angels? Okay. My experience has been they don't listen to me. <laughs> Unless what I'm saying is what he's saying. That's the only time they listen. And let me give you a scripture, Psalm 103. I think it's 103. 103, where it be, where it be in Psalm 103, or is it 107? Dad's 103, verse 20, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. So when you hear from God and you saying what they saying, they will listen to you. Otherwise, they're not going to take orders from you. Trust me. I have had quite a lot of angelic encounters. They are not taking orders from you. You might think they, they are not. Mm -mm. So, if you're saying though what God is saying, they will discern the words out of your mouth as being God, and it will appear as if they're taking orders from you. Yes, sir. Um, I've been seeing angels, and when I read some books and watch some teaching, they said, ask what's the purpose of that angel and command it. And I've seen several times, I've seen uh, one, I even get the name, uh, Angel of uh, Provision. Yes. But I don't know how to command them. So You don't want to command them. What you want to do is say, Lord, you're my provider. Mm. And the angel hears you say the word, and guess what he goes and does? Brings provision to you. Or you speak to the Lord and you declare his name. When the angel hears his name and the word associated with that name, the angel looks to see in your spirit if you believe it. And the angel looks to see if you obey in the word. And then the angel goes, looks to God and says, do I have authorization to make what he said that was your word according to your nature come to pass? And as soon as the father says, mm -hmm, he really believes it and he's obeying my word, the angel goes, hey, provision got to come to you. So they're not really responding to you unless you saying what he says in his nature. And I, I, I know those some. And by the way, um, well, I'll just leave that alone because I just know a little something about angels. I just, maybe I ought to do a book on it like Kevin Bisconi someday. Yeah. Was y'all here from when Kevin was here? How many yeah. was here when Kevin yeah. was here? Yeah. Did y'all know Kevin's my friend? Yeah. yeah. Kevin, my friend. Yeah. Did he talk about me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm his big brother. That's because he's littler than me. Now, Kevin's cool, man. He's, he is fun. Yeah, yeah. He, he's crazy in a, like, really, really good way. And uh, he really has a revelatory gift. Um, but, see, uh, we, okay, we have to get delivered from ministers having to have a certain look and a certain style. 
for us to receive them. You know what he did? Let me tell you what he did. Were you there for that when he gave when he gave me the white shirt and I put it on? Uh, see, the issue is this, and I'm trying to close. Where in the supernatural have you parked? Write that down. That's a significant question. Where in the supernatural of God have you parked? Because there's certain stuff we can't talk about. Because of where people have chosen to park. There was a woman, her name was Bertha. She was from Germany. And this man appears with four angels with body parts in her bedroom. And because it was a shock, she gets scared and she gets under the covers and the man says to her, we're not going away. But she stays scared, so the man disappears. So do the four angels that are with him. And then she watches this show called It's Supernatural. And she sees me wearing the very shirt that I wore in her room and calls It's Supernatural and gets a hold of me. Then she flies and meets me in Syracuse so that I can minister to her what she was unwilling to receive in Germany. So I'm going to leave you alone. So when we're talking about supernatural transportation, this is so far out that we read it in the Bible. But we don't realize there's people experiencing this every week. They're just not going to tell you. Okay. So, but you have to be in the realm where that can manifest. Yes, ma'am. Oh, she wanted it, but she was scared. Let's, let, let me show up in your bedroom someday. You don't know me. You're going to think, think I'm a home invader. With four men. Ah! She's the only one that ever got scared. All the others recognized. I said it's a whole other subject. Because we don't have a grid or a paradigm for it. And because the supernatural, when it gets to a certain point, can actually be scary. I mean, I've had, I've had some experiences where it's like, oh, I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> Let me share this one with you. This is one of them. I was in the fourth grade. I wasn't even saved yet. <laughs> ah, I'm on the playground with Richard Luton. And in the air is a ball of fire hanging. Just 
hanging. It comes around the school building. We're talking elementary school. It hangs in the air, and I'm going, Richard, you see what I'm seeing? I'm seeing what you're seeing. Last hide. I wasn't saved. So we hide. We hide till it go away. And then I runs home. Cause it's an unidentified flying object. <laughs> and I didn't want to get what you call that, uh abducted. <laughs> you hear me? Oh. So and you know, after I got saved. I had another experience that like scared me. So I don't blame Bertha. I was in my room, and here comes, here comes that ball of fire in my room, and two angels come out, and I'm going, ah! That was my greeting. Cause you know, you don't expect it. Okay, let a ball of fire appear right here. That you ain't expecting. Let's see how you react. There's a reason the angels say stuff that don't make any sense, like, fear not. Like, well, that's, that really helps. That helps. That's going to stop me <laughs> from being afraid. Yeah, you're about seven feet tall. You look like a Viking. You're chiseled. And you're carrying a sword that's on fire with breastplates and stuff. Oh, yes. I'm not thinking you here because you're righteous. I'm trying to remember my last sin. <laughs> what's up with y'all? Uh, so I, I've seen, yeah, man, I've seen some stuff, buddy. Yep. Uh, okay. I'll do one more question. And, uh, and by the way, you have angels that appear in all kinds of uh, human forms and forms that are not human. You know, like, uh, you know, all kinds of forms. Huh? What? All kinds of forms. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me help you. Elijah got caught up with a chariot of fire and horses of fire. How did they know where he was? <laughs> It don't say nothing about anybody telling the horses what to do. Wait a minute, the Merkaba, the moving throne of God, the cherubim, only one of them looked like a man. Lion, ox, eagle. So not every spiritual being looks human. I'ma leave you alone. <laughs> So an angelic being can come to you as fire or as water. Look at somebody say they can change form. Look at somebody say I don't know if I believe that. Okay. When Gideon gave his offering, the man became what? Fire and went up. Everybody say change form. Change form. 
The angel of the Lord was with Moses, but what did he look like during the day? Everybody say a cloud. What did he look like at night? Just saying. <laughs> ah. That's funny. Hey, Dean is texting me. Sid is texting me too. Okay. Yeah. Can we buy this tape after? I ain't in charge of this place. <laughs> Talk to that man. Yeah, we'll have to prepare Okay. Okay, I got several messages. I'm trying to remember. What did I say last? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say anything. I just said they can change forms. When? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Now I remember. Oh, I'll show you this. Okay, I didn't mean for that to happen. Glad I caught that. This will help you. I long for the day when the, uh, when the glory of God can come physically in the church and the people, we won't lose the crowd. I have cameras around my house because I'm gone all the time. This is the physical glory cloud at my back door. It's a physical cloud. I don't know. Ask the Lord. It's a physical cloud. I have cameras around my house. That's my back door. Physical cloud. Yeah, yeah. It's an angel that brings the blessing. So all I got to do is obey the Lord and the blessing comes. I need blessings. Anyway, does that help you? Okay, stand to your feet. How many of you enjoyed the word of the Lord? Amen. Okay. All right. One o'clock. We start tonight at what time? Six o'clock. So. You, uh, okay, let me say this. The angelic activity that's in your life right now is determined by the season you're in. I'll say it again. The angelic activity that's in your life now is determined by the season you're in. Look at somebody saying, angel for all seasons.
one of the issues that people have is they're looking for a blessing in the season of trial. Look at somebody and say, it's not the season for it. When you are in the season of trial, there's something the Lord is working out of you and there's something the Lord is working in you. When you're in the season of blessing, there's something the Lord is doing for you and through you. Look at somebody and say, you need to discern your time and your season. If you walk through the season of trial successfully, you step into a season of blessing. The greater the trial, the greater the blessing that follows. The reason you want to be obedient to the Lord is on the other side of your obedience through the trial is more of Jesus and more of the Father. Look at somebody say, on the other side of your trial is a treasure. More of Jesus and more of the Father. Okay, okay. I need to say this because one of the purposes of the crisis is to cause you to have a deeper encounter with the Christ. When you look at Jesus, he typically showed up when a person was at a low point. The low point was his opportunity to show himself